When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Here at Guitarnerds, we're big fans of Isotope Software and their impressive range of plugins. And you, dear listener, get 10% off all Isotope plugins at isotope.com with discount code NERDS10. Every Guitar Nerds podcast for well over five of its ten years has been edited, polished, and repaired using Isotope's wonderful range of tools. From their neck to sweet to EQ, compress, and lightly add reverb to give the impression that Matt and I are in the same room, to the RX repair suite to deal with pops, clicks, and background noise. In fact, every sound sample that you hear on our podcast is mastered using Isotope's Ozone Mastering Suite, and I can even compare audio, EQ, and levels to other similar released material using Isotope's Tonal Recall. It's all very good, and believe it or not, there are a bunch of free plugins that you can try. A vinyl simulator for added character, the Ozone Imager for help visualising your stereo mix, and a vocal doubler for added richness and depth to your vocals. Pretty neat. Check it all out at isotope.com. Matt, um, did, uh, did you hear about the... Well, I was reading about the poet that went bankrupt recently. Right. He owed everyone. <laughs> All right, that wasn't that good. It was no, a bit that, weak. that um, yeah, you know, I think that was above my intelligence level a little bit there, Joe. I think you need to <laughs> dial it back. Okay, okay, slightly. All right, all right. Yeah. Um, well, I, early, earlier today, I was watching. Um, I was watching on my phone. I was watching a fly fishing tournament. It was a live stream. <laughs> ah, there we go. Is that better? I like that one. I could, okay. I could give that I could give that one a bit of a right. uh, a bit of a chuckle. Thanks. <laughs> um, Thanks. Thanks. Hello, right. dear listener. Hello, and welcome to the Guitar Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Hello, oh, Mr. Joe. Hello, Mr. Matt. Hello, indeed. Um, now, it's, uh, dear listener, Nam has been and gone. Neither of us were there this year, Matt. Terrible. I feel, I actually, I actually feel, last year, I mean, you know, not to bring COVID into it, but, you know, sort of, you forget that the three years have been like a bit of a, lots has happened, you know, lots of sad mm. things have happened, but it's it's been such a blur. And then you just sort of forget that, yeah, I haven't, last time I went was January 2020. Well. You know, even last year there was so much going on, and then you sort of go. I, I, so I didn't really think about it, and then this year I was like, "Oh, I'm kind of sad I wasn't there." <laughs> lots of people looked like they were there, and saw lots of video. I mean, I'm not really on social media anymore, but every time I did turn it on, someone was like posting a video, and I was like, "Yeah, there was definitely." I, was, lots I felt of... some. I felt jealous. I think <laughs> you anything. got FOMO, did you? I did. <laughs> I think I got. I think I got a bit. Uh, definitely got a bit FOMO. That one. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it, uh, it definitely looked like lots of people were filming stuff, but then they, you know, they, they always are. And, um, but um, I, I heard mixed things. I heard things from both sides of it. Some people said, you know, it, it was fantastic. But most of the people that were telling me that were the people that had spent thousands of pounds to be there. And I imagine they were trying to justify it to themselves. Other people had less of a good time. I still think it's extortionately expensive. And I didn't want to go this year out of the principle, the principle that they put it on during the Easter holidays when <laughs> yeah. the hotels were even more expensive than they were normally. Just Nam doesn't seem to care about making it 
an a, an an event that people can afford to be at. It's such a weird I, business um, model. I don't know if it was the summer holidays in the US. I'm guessing it might have been, which I'm I'm, I'm sure I'm speaking to someone who said there was something in the US. But where for for listeners who don't who who don't know, but it's in Anaheim in Orange Orange County. I think Anaheim's in Orange County. Uh, but that's basically Anaheim was built for Disneyland. Yeah. So you know it is crazy busy at that time of year especially in holidays actually in january it is the nam crowd and the convention crowd but there yeah, once you start going into holidays and of course yeah. there's loads of hotels around there and loads of relatively crap restaurants um <laughs> and they're always super busy because of you know the hundred thousand people that basically descend onto to nam yeah. and then obviously if you add in all of the school people as as well. Um, I mean, I saw a few pictures and it maybe didn't look as packed as I've seen it before, but I saw quite a lot of the booths and some brands yeah. had like bigger booths and, and sort of stuff like that. So, you know, seems like quite a few people had a good time uh, yeah. or hopefully they didn't have a good time. And then that makes me feel <laughs> slightly better about not being there. And it yeah. may be a better time of year to be there. I think, you know, early spring, definitely a bit warmer. I mean, LA's not, freezing or it hasn't been freezing when i've been in in january but um certainly it gets colder at night yeah um so yeah, i think sure. uh, going in april i think it's probably a little bit probably a little nicer yeah but we'll mm-hmm. see we'll see i mean i imagine we'll be there next january anyway but let's, yeah because uh, i'm guessing there's no here. summer nam i don't think the summer i don't nam think it's coming again. back no which is a shame i never got to go and uh, it was a good excuse to go to nashville and i really wish i'd been everything like you every time you talk about it it just sounds so much better so much more fun so much more rock and roll than well the, uh, na- than i the think you know la I think it's a very Marmite city for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, I don't like it at all. Um, but Nashville has certainly got, like, a really good music. I mean, LA obviously has a good music scene. It's like sure. the centre of the entertainment universe. But Nashville, you know, the strip, a lot of different music, a lot of different bars, a lot going on. You know, it's really... Yeah. It's like, I like that it's all in one area. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, I mean, Summer Nam itself is actually really small. But the convent—the <laughs> one thing I always remember is that it takes about ten minutes just to actually walk to like the floor where everything happens right. because the convention center is so massive, and you just forget how much <laughs> bigger they can make things in America compared yeah. to <laughs> compared to. Uh, compared to england but yeah it's definitely not coming back this year whether it will come back next year we'll see we'll see we'll see but um yeah definitely a little bit of fomo (laughs) well that's okay because there's plenty of new releases that happen that we're going to talk about on this podcast indeed uh, in the news section but uh but before we do uh before we do i want to talk about a couple of other things i've been getting really into eq pedals matt I know that sounds like a weird, relatively dull thing, but... <laughs> Hello there, I like some EQ. I like EQ pedals, but I, I kind of feel like maybe maybe I missed a trick here. Maybe, you know, you, dear listener, you and Matt, maybe you were going, well, of course, they're fantastic. But they'd always just pass me by. I was always like, well, the EQ is, you know, I normally have an overdrive on anyway, and that's providing... EQ, there's EQ off of my amp. It just wasn't anything that I especially needed to have an additional pedal for. They're quite unglamorous in that sense. You know, all you're really controlling is the boosting or cutting of you know, the volume of bat and band frequencies of EQ. It's not it's not as exciting as a, like a fuzz pedal with mm. three different vintage effects voicings or a, a synth pedal with an arpeggiator on it. It's, uh, it's a relatively unglamorous thing, but... They're obviously so fantastic. You, they work in. There are so many different situations where an EQ pedal can be fantastic. Whether it's like in the in the effects loop of your amp, tweaking your amp, or you know being used to turn a one channel valve amp into a two channel valve amp by like you know knocking off a little bit of the level, so creating a, a, a clean channel. Maybe scooping out some mids, knocking off a little bit of level on an EQ. Like subtractive use of an EQ pedal is can be so interesting, so fantastic, mm. and create so many things with it. And basically, yeah, I just feel like I've missed a trick. They they can be 
they can replace overdrive pedals. They can, there's so many creative ways, you know, cocktails, radio filters, those sorts of things. There's so much cool stuff that you can yeah. do um, with EQ pedals. So I was like, maybe I need to get into this. I need to start looking for EQ pedals. I mean, what, what about you, Matt? Do you, you know, is, is, uh, is an EQ pedal an essential part of any pedal board you use? Um, it never has been. Right. Um, oh, good. So I'm not. It's not. I'm not on my own here. I felt like I do when I started messing pedal. around with them, I was like, "Why? Why? Why didn't I know about this?" No, I do own an EQ pedal. Um, I guess you know the GE seven, the Boss G sevens. I guess they're kind yeah. of like industry standards. It's been around the longest, right? Yeah, uh, in the traditional sense, and it gave people a graphic. A physical graphic EQ, which makes it so much easier than a parametric, you know, so yeah. you can really visualize where you're boosting and cutting. Yeah, so I I do have a G7, and and a G7 is often cited as like the secret weapon of like right. so many studio guitarists, um, yeah. and quite a few like Rick Rundowns I've watched, and people have been like, oh, you know, G7, that's that's the thing. I think the Nashville session guitarist Tom Bukovac, I think he's like, oh yeah, it's like the secret part of my whole sound. I've always wow. got to have got to have a G7. Um, I mean, Tom Morello always had a G7, but had all the EQ flat and just used the boost because if you remember. Right. Oh, that's cool. A G7 has got the seven band EQ, but then it's also got a. a You've got 15 decibels of boost or cut. E- exactly. So, you know, it does exactly what it says on the tin, and it's been around for, I think, probably 30 years. Right. And I would actually say in the boutique pedal boom, that's when a lot more EQ has started to come out. So, mm. I mean, just talking through a couple of the options that I've always looked at and I thought were quite cool. Um, not strictly an EQ, um, but the Hampstead Zenith. Um, if you remember that, that's yeah. they call it an amplitude controller. So it's an EQ right. boost and a compressor all in one. Mm-hmm. So you've got sort of a um, two, three position switches with three different peaks, if yeah. you will, and then three different EQ ranges. And then you've got a bass, middle, and treble on there. And then you've got comp, blend, and level for your compressor so you've got sort of eq and boost on there and uh, and it's got the nice flexi switch so i think with the button if you press the button once it turns on both if you hold it down i think you can then have eq on all the time and turn the compression on and off if i remember yeah that's um, very cool so i thought that was that's a really cool little pedal um it's kind of similar in in many ways to the um jackson audio do their bloom which is a yeah. compressor and an eq or you know all, all cut into it will come to one pedal. I think, like you say, EQ on its own, perhaps a bit dry. Like, yeah, sure. you know, a great but studio it depends tool. What you're running into it. You, you, you're well, running exactly. into the front end of a valve amp, and depending on how you're using that, you're getting that sort of organic push that you get out of a valve preamp as well. Well, and I mean, if you go back all the way to the first Boss Compact, you know, oh, SP, of course. SP1 Spectrum is, is yeah. a single band eq um and you know a lot of people used and utilized that and and you see a lot of things out there like the greer uh, moonshot which is a germanium pre um so you've got like a treb middle control treble middle control on there with a boost um the mark letiri j rocket audio is a graphic eq with a boost um so there's a few things out there i mean one thing you know to sling the uh the uh, the corporate side a little bit more but actually one thing that i always thought was really cool and you mentioned a couple of things you know different scenarios you might want to use it for but the eq 200 what because, a pedal because you've got 10 bands 10 bands yeah 10 bands you can run it mono you can run it stereo or you can run it dual mono um which i i really like so you can run it mono and you can switch between an a and a b setting you can run it stereo and you can have a different eq coming out of each side um you know so that that in itself i like the fact you can go between a and b plus you've got presets plus you can run it um or one my favorite thing is using it um, as an effects loop, so you can then have an insert a drive pedal and then you can have drive before and after yeah which yeah which is great 
Um, it's that, but the EQ two hundred is fantastic. But having, I think, getting the most, making the most out of a, an EQ pedal because there are going to be different ways you're going to want to use it. Having the MIDI capabilities of the mm. EQ two hundred so that you can flick through presets is it makes it incredibly useful. Um, yeah. Do you remember like the Fuzzrocious Feed Me, Matt? We yeah, did a, like, ha- a video had- on it years ago. Yeah, we had had one of those, um, and that, that's really cool because that was. If I remember, you had a 10. Sorry, I've just put, I've tried to write feed me and then I put <laughs> feed man. Um, I haven't heard much from Fuzz Racers recently. We should reach oh, out really? to Ryan yeah, and see I, how he's. Uh... I bought a pedal off of him a, a few months ago. I bought a, uh, a Fuzz Racers little fella. Oh, dro- yeah, overdrive. we talk about that, didn't we? It was really good. I actually, um, I, because I, I used it for a bit. Um, and it, it was fantastic. I just, you know, like changing things all the time. So it come off my pedal board and Naomi wanted one for her new, for her project with, <laughs> with, uh, Biffy Clyro's, um, Simon Neal and, uh, and Venar and the drummer from Slayer that she's in Empire uh, State. That Bastards. is mental. It's mad that she's now the well bass player in that band. Uh, yeah. Naomi for that one. So good. She, her and JD are actually coming on the podcast next week or the week after, I think. Um, we're going to do a bit of a base, bassy sort of thing, but we we, uh, we just want to talk a bunch about Empire State Bastard because that's amazing. But I sent her the uh, little little fella. That's that's actually I think the distortion that she's been using. Oh, cool, with cool. That um, but yeah, feed me. I mean, they've updated it now. I think I had the V one, but the one now has two twelve position pots, yeah. um, which are a mixture of high and low pass filters. So you can have 144 different tone stack combinations. I really like that um, they're all notched so that they're just each one that essentially sounds good just in a different way. You know? Yeah. And there's just so many different, but I think it's one of those cool ones that rather than a graphic EQ and saying, I want more bass or mm. less treble or whatever, this is sort of, this one feels more like an effect. And I'm, and that's the thing. You see a lot of EQ pedals out there that are designed to kind of, in some ways, rather than widen the EQ scope, like narrow it and right, like yeah. give you a much more focused um, sort of sound. And actually, if we think about it, um, the angry rhubarb. Uh, is it the angry rhubarb? The angry, I, rhubarb the angry rhubarb's the white and red JHS. Overdrive, uh, which was the uh, no, no, ang- sorry, Angry Rebub's Red Beards, the uh, the parametrically controlled yeah. um, overdrive that, that Tim Tim from my band Polymath uses. He loves it because you get like gorgeous, you can get like really <laughs> rich sounding coctoir tones, but because you can add overdrive in different places, you can add it pre and post the well, because it's and- it's three, um, yeah, paradynamic overdrive. Um, so they've got two independent overdrive circuits either side of an extremely interactive EQ. Yeah. Um, so that's another great example of using EQ for a drive. Yeah. Yeah. That gives you a lot of different um, effects and, you know, stuff like that as well, which is, is quite cool. Definitely. That that actually that kind of leads on to the when I started getting really into EQ pedals and, and looking around at things, I discovered the Mesa Boogie Throttle Box EQ. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um do, do you remember, remember this? Those. Do you yes. remember the large, large I... pedal? So it's an EQ and distortion. Sorry, go on. No, I, I think, did I do a video on Maybe, maybe that? with like Pete Honore back when he yeah. was working for Mesa Boogie. One of the first videos that ever went out on GAC, I think. Yeah, I think I think you so. had Josh Allen playing or something, didn't you? Uh, no, there's me. Oh one? my God, I'm going to have to uh, save this video and watch it later. Um, <laughs> but there's me and, and, I, and me and Pete Honore from 10 years ago. Yeah. And I'm doing what looks like some absolutely terrible guitar playing. It just rem- <laughs> makes me realise how long I've actually known Pete, Mr. Yeah. Pete. Yeah. Um, when he so, was trying to flog us, Mr. Boogie, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to. Uh, I'm going to have to send him that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember that the throttle box because actually I've been looking even further back than that recently on the boogie stuff because they also did they did some valve pedals do you remember the mess boogie valve pedals they did no, um, i don't no i don't at all the this is if you want to go extreme joe the right. mesa boogie v twin tube preamp uh, which is effectively a single channel from a boogie rectifier so you've got Active EQ. Oh, I do remember these. They uh, were in all, the corrugated iron. Yeah. But you can run <laughs> into mixer or headphones. You can run into a power amp. You can run into the front of a guitar amp. Right. Um, but you've got uh, an EQ on there. And obviously, you've got gain and, and volume as well, which is quite... Wow, this is great. They're like 250. It's between 220 and 300 pounds on yeah. the pre-owned market. Yeah. So... Um, there's another another option for you, but the throttle box was. Um, they were really cool pedals, those. Yeah, they, they, they felt like really good boutique pedals before there was a lot of other boutique pedals in some ways. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a pedal with sliders on it and rotary controls. You've got, you know, you've got a, a master tone, a gain, a high and a low level, then a five band, more specific EQ, and then a bunch of them switches to change what your mids are doing, and then you can kick in uh, a distortion as well on top of the eq so you can use it as both an eq and a distortion I, in fact i remembered after i saw this i was like why do i know this pedal and i kind of I was like i feel like i know that it's also great for bass and i was trying to remember and i, I got it it was from juan Odorete's second rig rundown with premier guitar when he was playing bass for marilyn manson and he's going through his setup and essentially he has one of these always on running into the front of an ampeg svt8 pro um <laughs> that's his sound <laughs> it's like a p bass going into well it was a warwick bass with a precision pickup go, yeah. you know, going through one of these into the front of an amp and he, he said it, he, had, he had quite a different pedal board for that that setup than obviously did for mars volta oh completely different i i actually if you watch the rig rundown considering how knowledgeable juan is i feel like that was the rig that is provided for Marilyn Manson's bass player. And it just happened to be one at that, at that time, Do you know, like the, yeah. he had to get in the tech to sort of talk through some things. So I feel like the techs know how to get that sound. And then it's just the person playing the gear that changes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess so. Cause he just, think- he's in the whole way through, he sort of has to be like, can you explain this <laughs> to the, to the fellow and it's like you're probably the most knowledgeable guy on pedals and he, he couldn't really yeah i guess rig. there's just i guess with some of those things there's probably those like you say shows, yeah. a very specific sound that needs to be yeah um achieved i like the fact a music radars review from mick taylor uh, <laughs> of all people um back in 20 20- Last updated December 10th, 2019, he said, Pros, hooligan level of metal slash hard rock gain, oh. but classic, good classic sounds too. Cons, nothing. So wow. thanks, Mick. <laughs> I'll mention that to Mick as well. That just pulled up a review that you wrote um, 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well. Uh, I'm guessing he was, yeah, he would have still been editor of Guitarist magazine at that point. Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah. 
But yeah, so so we'll see. I found a, I was sort of digging around to see what I had in my pedal collection of EQs, things that I currently have, and I found uh, we've spoken about it before um, a G7B, which is the bass EQ in the old the brown and gold. Chassis, oh, the, the worst, the worst, the worst colours ever. What? Oh, is it the colours you don't like? You've always said you didn't like those. And I was like, I don't understand. This is great. They look cool. It's the, the brown and gold looks fine. They did a whole range, didn't they? A whole series of pedals in that colour. Yeah. Um, G, G-E-B-7, C-E-B-7. Yeah. Uh, was it all bass pedals, was it? In that yeah. yeah. Right. G, C-E-B-7, G-E-B-7. Brown and gold. Uh, and I guess because OC2 was still around then and that was brown. Yeah. But then LMB3 was blue. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know why. I guess they went brown, low, brown note, base. I don't know. I don't know. I just <laughs> like that you're trying to work it out, though. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Maybe they just ran out of colours at that point and went, oh, brown. Um, but yeah. <coughs> I think in isn't it is it exactly the same circuit as the later one? I don't actually know the difference to be honest. Uh, I've no idea, no idea why it's because there is obviously another. A, that was the GEB seven, mm. right? Whereas they then made the GE seven B, and yeah. that was in the normal colours of the. And I think that the difference between the G seven G seven B is obviously the the frequencies on the sliders are different to account is, for. Is that right? Because it's still um, seven. It's still seven band though. Yeah, it's still seven. Oh, actually, um, GEB seven. Um, I'm just gonna have a look. <laughs> oh wait, no, hold on. GEB seven. Yeah. And you've got. Have you, is yours the G? I've got the brown seven B. I don't know. Yeah, what, what, something like that. Yeah, whatever. It's the brown and gold one. They kind of named that. Yeah. So mine's the G seven B. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's where I always get confused. So the G seven B, nineteen eighty seven to nineteen ninety two. Um, still seven band. Let's just have a quick look. Uh, yeah, it's different EQ ranges. Right. I see. On the modern ones, fifty to ten. The old ones are sixty two to four K. Well, so, well, I thought um, it was very good. You know, I mean, it, I, I can't really remember, but I assume it was very good. It stayed on my board for years. One of my first pedals, I think. <laughs> you were just as boring back then as you are now, Joe. <laughs> yeah, Hello there. Exactly. I'd like an EQ pedal for my bass. Um, although, I, you know, what bass pedals? What bass pedals were people using? Could you buy at that? Well, point? that's it. I think it was. I, mean? I think it was like... that. I knew I wanted lots of pedals, and there weren't that many. I was at that point in time where you probably, as a bass player, you think you can only buy the pedals that say they're for bass. You don't realize you can buy anything, and it's probably going to be fine. So, yeah, I think it's uh, just around that time where you're... The only things you could get were, like, the Electro Harmonics Bass Big Muff, the Yellow Boss Overdrive, um, oh, the, the, the Boss Bass co- Chorus, and uh, it's probably it. <laughs> um, oh, the Bass Big Muff. God, we sold so many of those. Well, they were 50 quid. They were 50 quid on the nose, and it was a perfectly good drive. I mean... It, uh, I, I've, it had the same thing that Big Muffs have, which is a big old mid scoop, which is absolutely the opposite of what you want for a bass for a, an overdrive. So mm. it's a bit of a weird one, but it sounded good on its own. I've never heard it in you know context of a band whether or not it makes your bass disappear. Or, yeah, it was funny. Know, the yeah. first, I think, the first electronics pedal I remember buying with my own money when I moved to Brighton and student, I bought the Nano Big Muff, but before oh, they yeah. did the small kit case one just the ones that was in like not what nano is now i think they call it like nano right. xo now don't they but like the yeah. mid-sized ones and i was like oh that sounds great and i had it on my pedal board and then we did at bim i think every band did a like a recording session at um what's that studio in brighton that everyone went to uh, brighton electric no <laughs> before that brighton road no, no. old school know. it was up the top of the hill i think Orbital had a studio there for a bit, or maybe Fatboy Slim. Can't remember what it was called, but anyway, everyone recorded there, huh. and uh, we recorded this track that we were doing for BIM. And the engineer was like, "Yeah, this sounds terrible. Try this." And it's just <laughs> like it just—they sound really good at right. home, but they just obviously they just don't really cut through a mix, do they? No, no I guess um, not. 
they sort of just make everything sound like mush, which is good if in in some situations, but not if you're trying to cut through in a solo. No. In one of my ripping solos, it was like, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really cut through. You're ripping 18-year-old solos, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah, back to EQ pedals. <laughs> um, I, to me, personally, I would say if you want straight-up EQ, G7 all the way realistically because mm. gra- yeah. like you said it's analog graphic eq nice and easy yeah. it depends if you want more than that and i in some ways i would say yeah if you want like company eq there's a lot more i mean they go all the way up to like 400 quid if you look at um empress do the power oh the para one para yeah. eq I, I, I think Deluxe. an eq makes so much more sense on sliders you might disagree dear listener and think the rotaries are, are easier but i don't know there's something about being able to just visually see what my eq arc is doing that makes Absolutely. it much, much easier to create the desired effect no i to- i totally agree i think you know it's like oh you need to cut you know if you're in a mix recording or you're in it's like i want more bass or what mm. want more level and it's just easy enough to set everything flat and then just boost the volume yeah. um so yeah I, I i would um i would agree with you on that one joe mm. i think sliders are definitely a little bit uh easier to understand and to use they are they are indeed now dear listener after matt and i finish this podcast we're heading over to patreon patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds you can join us there actually for as little as a dollar a month and each week we take questions from the facebook group the guitar nerds group on facebook um this week uh duke van or i don't think that's his real name um has uh, is has asked us about um, a multi-effects pedal that he wants to get. He's got a couple of options. He's actually choosing between a Boss GX100 and a GT Core. So we're going to talk about that. Maybe some of the other options are out there and the different advantages you'd get to either of those. And also, Matt and I are in line with the fact that I'm going to... I mentioned it a bit last week, I think, on one of the podcasts. Um, that I'm going to Copenhagen for a gig in a month and we're flying and I've got to create, a, I've got to make a, a fly rig for me and my guitarist. We don't know what amps we're going to have. So I need an instrument and a very small flyable pedal board that's going to do the right things for us. So I thought Matt and I could talk about the best guitar. Now I'm going to do a guitar instead of a bass. This would be a fictional fly rig, but we're going to talk about the best guitar and portable pedal board. So I'm thinking like pedal train nano sized roughly um we're going to pick uh, a handful of pedals and a guitar that we think would sound good going into any amp or you know we can make the most of any situation with that setup so we're going to be talking about about that over on the uh over on the patreon um now we um, should we should we do the should we do news or should we do the topic of the week i next, think Matt? we should do I think we should do topic of the week first, and then okay. we'll cover. Like everyone's, you know, if they're listening to this, the number one guitar podcast. You don't <laughs> always come here for news. You come here for me and Joe, and you've probably already read all the news. Uh, and then you just want, take on it though, and you want yeah, but you know, our hot take is like, does it look good? Yeah, it's good. No, no, we're obviously far more detailed than that, but. Joe, we do have a very cool topic of the week, and I would like so to give it do. some airtime. Yes, absolutely. Okay, let's do that. So, um, so every week, dear listener, we're doing topic of the week, where I spin, um, I spin a wheel, a fictitious wheel, where there's a real wheel. It's on a, it's on a some sort of wheel website. Wheelofnames.com is where I made my wheel, um, <laughs> and it's got the names of all the top the top tier patreon supporters there i spin that wheel and whoever it lands on gets a goodie bag and they get to choose the topic for next week now last week it was um barry gresbick who won um the uh the topic of the week barry gresbick is of course the founder owner operator the man behind gres guitars um and he has come up with a very interesting idea for topic of the week he said how about a detailed discussion on the dream perfect base six down to details like nut width, neck shape, pickups. Then later this year, I'll make one using as many of your specs as I can. Obviously, it would have to be based on the Mendocino and basically not an offset. Um, 
it will be the Mendocino GN6. <laughs> I like so, it. So, so, yeah. So, you know, I, I was speaking to Barry about it as well, and he, he feels like he's made a short-scale base, he's made a long-scale base. The next thing, obviously, to make is a base 6 anyway, so why not start here? So, yeah, so Matt and I are going to talk about maybe some of our favourite baritones and bass 6s and the features that we like about them. Let's have a little chat about how we think we'd put together something into something as wonderful and gorgeous as a Grez Mendocino. Now, before we do that, I better spin the wheel now so that we can choose next week's topic as well. So I'll do that. Ladies and gentlemen, the winner of this week's Spin the Wheel is Rob Nordvik. Rob, I will be in touch and we will sort out um, what topic you'd like us to discuss on next week's episode. Well done. Now, on to Barry's topic. The basics, the dream base six. Matt, you've owned a couple of base sixes. You still own one. I own one. How do you feel about base sixes? What do you, where, where, where do we start? Where do we start? Um, well, I guess people at home start by going to grezguitars.com and they can play <laughs> along. Um, bass sixes. It's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because we said before that we loved the Squire Bass Six way back in, what, 2013 mm-hmm. or 2014, mm-hmm. but ultimately, actually, it didn't really stand... That model, that spec, didn't really stand the test of time. The only other thing at the time was gretch well i think base the six yeah the the gretch is is kind of yeah they're base six which is a sort of basics baritone they often sort of sell it as a baritone i'm not even sure it comes strung up e to e that one but you can obviously because it is a... it, it it didn't used to then it did right um I, see. I think they they changed it but ultimately i think it was yeah a bit of a base six and then you didn't really see anything for a while there was the pawn shop base six i think for a little bit uh, and then, obviously, it was more recently when they had those ones that they're sort of taken off in popularity. And I think, as we said the a few months ago, vibes. yeah, you know, with the Beatles documentary and more people wanting <laughs> base sixes and more companies making base sixes. And actually, when I was in Larvik, I forgot to mention that they had for sale the Ibanez SR6, right? which is their base six. But right. it looks like their SR base, but it's a base six. Okay. Um, and I think people have got better at making base sixes in the sense that they know it needs to have decent tension. It needs to have the thicker strings. That's one of the things we said on the Squires. Well, is they come with very light strings, and actually putting a thicker set of strings on makes a massive difference. It's still the problem with the Squires, even the classic vibes, the standard mm. Fender standard string set is something to i can't remember where it starts at 20 maybe but it's uh 84 or something like that is the lower string which is which is crazy light for something that you've got to get an octave down that's that's Mm. insanely light. like i have Mm. i have 105s on mine but i think 100s fine even like a 95 would probably just about do it but any lighter than that and it's just not going to work and and yes you're, you're right about those old vintage modified squires they were great. They were 280 pounds. Why not take a punt on them? And the answer was because the hardware was so bad, it was just unusable. Like it was mm. an instrument we could never get them set up correctly. And we ended up, okay, fine. You know, making mods is, you've only spent 280 quid on the guitar. Making mods is totally fine. But um, I don't know. It just, uh, an instrument that we, ha- both of us, I think, found we had to keep modifying to try and get to a, a usable place. Whereas the classic yeah. vibes have, solved a lot of those problems the proper mustang bridges on there for a start they're just they actually work out the box that's that's what's great about them yeah and i think you know come back to your question about base sixes and you know what do i think and having used a few i just think they're a nice alternative to pick up and play i i find that more riffs and songs come out of me playing a base six quite often really wow. because well i just think from a guitar point of view you can't always just play chords on them really mm-hmm. good ones obviously they do ring out and they do have a lot of note clarity yeah um but i just i just think they're just nice alternatives and they just do something a bit different yeah. um and i think you know specking out something like the mendocino is you know 
that is a really cool opportunity because the body shape feels like it's right for that. Obviously, mm-hmm. as you said, you've got your one is tuned. Is yours the actual baritone one or is it just C to C? I can't remember. What, my Squire Basics? No, your Grez guitar. Oh, sorry. My Grez, yes, my, my Grez Mendocino is standard scale length, but I have it strung with 13s. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and um, I, have it in, I have it in D standard. Yeah, uh, so having drop D that one, actually. drop D. All oh, right, but um, yeah, I think I don't know. I I think the Mendocino is a really good body shape for that, and for a, for a base six. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 into it. I'm into base sixes. I think they're a really nice alternative to if you're a guitar player and you've already got a couple of guitars and you don't know what to get. Base six is definitely the way to go. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, what, what, uh, one of the other like really cool ones that's worth talking about is of the, the, who have been doing it for a long time is Dan Electro. Um, sure, yeah, they yeah. do they do their basics as well as their baritone, and actually, I really love the sound of those because the lipstick pickups are kind of really ideal for the for a, for a basics sort of thing. It's kind of more in line with Grez as well to have that sort of thing. Certainly, the lipstick style pickups are what um, Barry's gone for on the on his on his base on the mendocino base um i can't remember what i did have a um a i think i had a baritone Dan yeah Electro. the Dan, you probably had the Dan Electro 56 baritone that was sort of the popular yeah, one that's maybe. the uh um that's the one that oh i've forgotten the name from the band boy genius but it was a solo project she smashed one up i don't know yeah. Okay. It doesn't. Uh, I'm gonna have to look it up. But yeah. Um. Uh. That. That's when that. Um. Phoebe Bridges. There we go. Go. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna here. say that, and then I was like, I don't know it well enough to. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. To so say. she plays. She plays the 56 baritone. Um. A sparkly version of it, and it's great. Again, the, the, those lipstick pickups are a perfect fit for that sort of instrument. Mm. Actually, one of my favourite ones. And I was, I always kind of wanted one because they came in loads of cool colours and and options, but just didn't play in anything like it, band wise or right riffs like it. But the Stephen Carpenter Deftones guitar, <laughs> Stephen Carpenter, no eight string baritone they had for a while, didn't they? <laughs> well, um, it was just so low. And actually, yeah. one of my favourite baritones of all time. One of my biggest gear regrets, not because I had it and sold it, but because I just couldn't afford it, mm-hmm. was the Taylor eight-string baritone acoustic Wow, they made, um, where it was a baritone, so B to B acoustic, but the G and the D were doubled. Ah, very nice. So uh, that, was, that. that was very cool. But I think, you know, coming back to, I guess, the specking out the mendocino mm-hmm. the great thing about the mendocino is it's as a standard guitar it's it's pretty lightweight it's obviously semi-hollow um opens itself up to a few different options it's got a retro sort of vibe to it um so i guess we can just kind of go through it and yeah. sort of spec out i saw i sort of feel like it's one of those one of those chances where someone says spec something out and i always just link back to when you played like smackdown on the playstation 2 and you could create your own wrestler but you could do like individual arm lengths so you'd be like okay well we'll make one arm as long as possible <laughs> one arm as short as possible and then it's like yeah what, what should we do let's make them blue and we'll give them a mohawk <laughs> just like it's like yeah what nut width width do you want on your mendocino it's like do you do like 12 inches <laughs> just like <laughs> how ridiculous can you make this guitar um yeah because i when i generally spec guitars i don't change stuff like that because i i guess in some ways i'm like i don't know enough about nut width to be to to care about how much a difference it makes right so i'm like no you build what you think is best i know some people are like oh you know 42 or 44 makes a big difference i'm like if you pick up the guitar and it plays nice then that's good enough for me mm-hmm. um so i guess really we should talk through the specs on the standard mendocino and go what would we change sure well i mean i think we you know we, we don't have to go drill in as far as nut width for now i think one of the big things is is going to be scale length on a on a base six and mm. 
And obviously, the longer you can make it, the better it's going to be for being tuned this low. Yeah. Fender go the longest with thirty a thirty inch scale, which is the same as a short scale bass. The you know bass sixes are can be mm-hmm. you know the Gretsch ones with twenty nine. Uh, you know you can get away with it on something as as low as like a twenty eight certainly, mm-hmm. but I would have thought like sticking with Fender's thirty inch scale is is probably the right the right idea for scale length, which would put which would mean like you'd you'd end up doing something similar, I guess, to Fender and have like a it's like one point six uh uh um nut width on the mm-hmm. um on a base six. So yeah, because obviously if you the nut I guess in obviously nut width is always important, but on a base six it's like if it's not right then all the strings will feel way too close together. Well, this is it. I, I kind of want it to be uh as, as wide as it possibly can be because really I think it's weird that you know, as I've mentioned, that the that the square and the Fender Base Sixes come with such light strings. Wouldn't it be better to just give a, t- a tiny bit more width on there, and then be able to put some strings mm. with some decent thickness on there, so that the instrument's actually playable? I realise there's a fine line that you tread between making a neck to, so wide that it's unplayable versus strings that are so. Uh, thin that they're unplayable so it's a it's a tricky thing to do i mean one of the cool things about doing like a mendocino is there is a, all uh, so many um bass sixes are fender inspired you know you think about the cures Schecter bass sixes mm. they're always offsets always things like that but you've got um the gibson eb6 which occurred in in two different formats in from 1960 to 1962 they did an eb6 in the 335 body shape. Yeah. And it was fantastic. Just a, a humbucker in the neck. They only made 67 <laughs> in the time. Only 67 were ever, ever commissioned. Yeah. Absolutely mad. I, exactly. exactly. There's one actually on reverb at the moment for around £12,500. Um, and then in... And then around the same time, I think they then changed and ran for six years with the... Um, with the SG variant um, of that, and they they added two humbuckers to the SG variant. But it's like having that sort of heavier sort of Gibson, those big humbuckers. It's it kind of suits the idea more than the twangy fenders do, I, I think, or at least gives you an option for something a little bit different. Those big, you know, the solid mm-hmm. mahogany bodies. One of the weird things with the SG one was that they went for like base clover tuners. So like six of them. So the headstock is half the size, well, probably over half the size of the body. So the, uh, I'm just trying the, to put up an image of it now. Um, yeah, it's a, the Gibson EB6. Now, they're super rare. I think they, they only made around 130, 150 of the, of the SG version. They, they just really weren't popular. Um, oh, but yes. Yeah, they do look so cool, though, don't they? They look fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, there's there's none for sale in the UK, surprisingly. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. Oh, there's none for sale anywhere, surprisingly. Right. Um, does look cool though. But oh yeah, I can see the the headstock now. Huge, yeah. love it. Yeah, love it. I bet that thing is insanely top heavy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and a wraparound bridge as well. It's just like. Yeah, I, I want. It must have been a custom order, and then they just went, "Oh, we'll make a few of those." And then everyone was like, "No one wants this." No. <laughs> yeah, like you say, but, I guess maybe a direct reaction to the basics. Yeah. The basics, yeah. So they were like, "What can we do?" It's like we've got an SG. Um, I actually think the EB6 is infinitely cooler. Um, you are right. Twelve and a half thousand pounds, a lot of money, but yeah. just with one neck humbucker. It just like you look at it, you're like that's a cool three three five, and you're like, oh, that is just awesome. Well, it's this... just that huge amount of space between the neck humbucker and the bridge. This, this actually, this is kind of a, an interesting point. I think the biggest thing that comes down to with the Grez doing a Grez Mendocino base six is actually the pickups. So we say it's a thirty inch scale. It's the double cut Grez Mendocino. Having it being completely hollow is a great idea as well, just because most base sixes aren't so we've we, yeah, we're getting very different, different different tonal characteristics we're going to get that lovely sort of mid push which is exactly what you want from something an instrument like this mm-hmm. um 
the pickups are the big thing because part of me wants to be like, well, if Barry was making one as the Mendocino to be part of the set, surely he should also use those lipstick pickups. But tonally, I kind of think of those those lipstick pickups. They're fantastic. They do a they'll do a similar job to the single the three single coils that you get on a base six. And wouldn't it be nice to have a base six out on the market that offered something different? What mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. just a humbucker in the neck? Is that too oh. niche? Does it make it not versatile? What about a humbucker in the neck and a humbucker like in the bridge? But I mean right in the bridge. So there's like this massive separation on the body gap between the two. This huge gap between them. But I mean, I love the idea of just having that sort of neck that just the single neck humbucker i love the idea of base six with humbuckers that seems to you just can't get them and i kind of feel like well a humbucker would make more sense for what how are people using them people aren't using them for tic tac anymore it's not it's not a country and western guitar anymore people are using them for big heavy sludgy Cool, awesome I do. Sound. I like. I like the idea. I mean, obviously, going to the bridge pickup just gives you affords you a bit of extra of bite and cut through. Of course. Um, but I like the idea of of taking inspiration from that EB six and doing a neck humbucker only. Yeah. But then, what I would say is that you could probably do something clever with the pickups. Right. And what you could do is build in something like i don't know how this would work would it work um <laughs> tell me what you what you think i am thinking of the fender tbx eq right. system um which is a i think were they dual pots yes yeah, so they call it a treble bass expander and there's a stacked and um is a stacked 250k slash one meg pot that expands your tonal palette because it's basically a push control that will help you cut through more so they're on like the clapton strats right uh no battery necessary um so you don't have to have an active guitar but you could do something like that or i've just had a thought what was that other thing that we were talking about recently king tone so we were talking about king tone effects based in the uk and for strats they do that thing called the king tone switch which was that um they say give your guitar a voice so the king tone switch opens the door to tone it's basically a six position pot so six click positions with a little circuit board with four dip switches, you can have up to 16 different treble bleed settings. Oh. So rather than having a tone control, you have a neck humbucker and then you have this and then you just bleed through how much you want. So you still have two oh. controls. It still looks really cool. Yeah. But I never use the tone control. I'm never going to sweep. It's going to be dark enough already. Mm-hmm. But if you had something where you could... Do you remember that also the Guthrie Govan Charvels had that switch and they put it in something else for a while that basically bypassed volume and tone and then went straight to the output jack? Right. Okay. Um, so then that way you're not going through any capacitance whatsoever. Uh-huh. Um, so I like the idea of putting in something like that king tone switch. So you can actually bypass the EQ completely, fully open, um, and but it's then just you've a got switch, s- so we could still choose the pickup that we use. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Right. You've got volume and then tone, but instead of tone, it's a six-way, it's a six-way treble bleed. I, I kind of, in some ways, think of it like the very tone control on a three through five. But you haven't got I, all the other things. I, in I there love as it. Well. I, I, I love the idea. And I tell you what, we could do. I'll come back to what pickup I think could be a great solution for that in a second. If we're doing that, we're losing the tone control essentially to do something like that. What about a mute kit on the bridge? Yeah. What about a flippable mute kit? Something that we can bring up and up, uh, pull up and down. Something so that so that we can get that palm muted bass tone. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the idea of having something that is far more. It's great for guitar players who play guitar to do something bassy without playing the bass yeah great a jaguar um, mute kit on the bridge yeah so something like that would be quite cool so jaguar mute kit one 
with one humbucker in the neck. And then you just need to make sure that the humbucker's got enough treble in it, but then yeah. you could cut some of the treble or bleed some of the treble through if you wanted to. Um, On the pickup, what about the new Lola? Because I know because Barry uses Lola pickups often. What about the Lola DB humbucker? Have you seen the the new? I think it's pretty new. Oh, yeah. So it's so like it's- they, they look like a radiator kind of type cover right they do exactly yeah it's uh, black with uh with the chrome bars two chrome bars across it so it's their highest output of any humbucker the db avoids the higher compression and muddiness often associated with high output humbuckers it delivers top end harmonics that cut through without sounding harsh mm-hmm. and uh yeah pair the db with a, a one meg uh, potentiometer to open up the top end even more yeah um, I'm into it. It looks cool. It would fit the aesthetic. It'd be great Absolutely. for a, a double cut Mendocino. I know this is we've gone a little bit off piste here from where the 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 obvious route for what the Mendocino could be, but I actually kind of feel like this makes it more versatile, more usable, actually applicable to the way people would most people would use yeah, a basic. Because I, I I mean I my basics, you know, the Squire one, I ne- I I never change the settings. Right. You know, I find the sound that I like and then I use it. And in, and a lot of the times I play it with a pick and I, you know, I do kind of palm mute in some ways. Right. And I sort of, you know, want it to sound more like a bass, but it sounds very different to playing the the Bronco. Yeah. So I kind of like the idea of of something that guitarists can play that one looks cool, but two can give you some bass vibes can also really cut through a mix. You're going to add loads of gain to it. Um, so it becomes a really versatile instrument without having too much on it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'm pretty happy. I think this is a cool a cool version of a bass, of a bass six. A double yeah, cut Mendocino. I kind of want one. I kind yeah. of want it now. Because um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't, obviously, I don't think you need to change the body. No. And and actually, I don't know would how you, you give it a coloured top. Well, what about a black top? Obviously, most people would say, well, surely it's going to be pink. Um, but the black top does look awesome. Yeah. Um, have you seen um, uh, Have you seen Blake's sparkle black top? Uh, I think so. I haven't yeah. looked at it for a while. There's There's two options here, right, that I see that could be very cool. Because the black top is... Like it's it's not matte, is it? It's a glossed yeah. black finish with cream binding. There's two options here. One I think is extreme, but I I I would love this. What about if you went white top and then gold sparkle binding? So you made it very Gretsch like in that uh-huh. fact. You're trying, so to, really trying to get your uh, white penguin in there, Matt. Yeah. Um <laughs> or um if Barry didn't want to do that, I I actually I like the idea of um and I, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I generally hate the color, but quite a dark two tone sunburst, but like a rubbed finish, so it's a matte finish, not gloss. Right, so like a I violin like, finish sort of thing. Yeah. I, I'm sort of thinking about when you see an old sunburst Martin uh-huh. and if that really played in. Do you know what I mean? mean yeah. Because he uses redwood tops, and it's got yeah. a really nice grain on it. I like that sort of violin sunburst, I like it matte, slightly rubbed back, not <laughs> relicked. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, is yours got a lacquered neck or is it an unlacquered neck? It's lacquered, yeah. The whole thing sort of nah, has a gloss coat to it. That. No, unlacquer that no, bad boy. Why would, why would you do that? <laughs> Um, I just, um, I just like the idea of uh, raw wood in my hand. <laughs> Can't believe I said that. Wow. Um, I as I was saying it, I was like, oh, I don't mean it that way. No. Um, I don't, yeah, no, I'm sure it'd be fine. But I like the idea of the black top or the or the white top with the gold binding. Yeah. Single neck humbucker. Bit of op- option in terms of the treble bleed. Keep it simple. Mm-hmm. And then um, the, the mute kit called? as well. What's the it's switch called? called King Tone. I- I'm-, I'm assuming it would work. King Tone is the company. King Tone Effects. Right. Um, it's called... Um, 
Well, I just said what it's called. Now I can't remember. Uh, King Tone Switch. Uh, oh, they just call it the King Tone Switch. Hmm. Um, so I'm assuming you could works on strats, tellies, and humbucker guitars. So yeah, I think you could just have this instead of a tone control, or you could have it with a tone control. But basically, you've got true bypass, your normal tone, 100% unaffected, treble bleed engaged, uh, Hendrix Edge added, 100% Stevie Ray Vaughan, Albert <laughs> King, and BB King. Right. Um, so, but I think there's little dip switches and stuff you can change inside. So they're normally $99. Wow. That is, I think this is great. This is a great option. We'll uh, we'll we'll put all this to Barry and see uh, see see which things he wants to take on board. It's not going to end up anything like these. None of us will make the cut, but uh, but otherwise, I, you know, I would say you know same tone pros bridge, obviously the same kind of um, plate. Um, I would say EV Evo Gold Jumbo frets again, same. Yeah. Um, I don't think you need to change that. I just think it's. It's the pickups, it's the scale length, it's the nut width. Yeah. Um, and I wish it was turning up at my house tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I was just like, oh. Um, yeah. this, this was a great build. I'm really, I'm really into this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hope he, I hope he, uh, I hope he digs it. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, dear listener, we are uh, we are coming on to the end of this week's podcast. But before we go, I just wanted to do a little bit of our show and tell for this week. So last week we were talking about the the chorus pedal, the uh, the new um, Earthquake Advices Aurelius, um, and I had I also demoed with that uh, using the Solid Gold Effects Beta Five, their new compact pedal bass preamp overdrive sort of thing um, for the bass work on on that demo. But it wasn't very focal. So I've made a a new demo this week, which is more or less just the bass with a little bit of supporting guitar so that you could really hear it because this pedal is fantastic. Before I play it, I want to talk a little bit about the pedal because it wasn't exactly what I expected when I really dug into it. Certainly when I was using like a, I had a like an Ashdown jazz bass last week. And the pickups are normal and relatively low output, and it was fine. It was, you know, the the uh, the solid gold was a good exciter for those sorts of things, and it did a good job of being a bass preamp. Lots of things do. Lots of pedals do a good job of that. So you know, it was great at it, but it wasn't, you know, it, it, it you know it wasn't jumping out at me as as having any more or any less than any of the other SVT mm. style bass preamps. And then this week, I got out my fifty seven reissue precision bass which i have um i have a seymour duncan court pounder uh p bass split pickup in there which is extremely high output and i coupled that with uh the beta 5 and what i ended up with was this gorgeous like a super old school soupy muddy ampeg b15 style tone i mean the the pedal's great because it doesn't just give you like an ordinary eq you have a presence control and a body control and then you're basically sort of choosing where your your mids are and then your gain and your volume but it was very when you hammer something into it 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 was very dirty but had that lovely boxiness that mm. a vintage Ampeg did. I'll play the demo now, but I just thought it was great for that very specific application. It was fantastic. Here it is.
you go. There it was. The that last note there, Joe. Uh, <laughs> the little slide up. <laughs> no, no, but the, you should have scrapped the slide. Just that last note was just like, oh, it hit me right in the feels. Oh, it's really nice and bassy. Sounded great. Yeah, it's just lovely. Loads of warm, articulate, just not what I expected. I know I was hitting it hard with a, such a high output pickup, but so many preamps, bass preamps, what they're trying to do is be clean and be articulate uh, in a kind of a modern way. Mm. And you end up having to really mess around with them to try and get an old school sound. Whereas this was just unashamedly old school. Like there wasn't, I couldn't get away from that tone. Like that was the tone that the pedal produced. It was yeah. great. It was proper old Motowny bass sound. And it's yeah. exactly what I want. And coupled with the P bass, I just thought it was a brilliant, brilliant pedal. So, you know, even if you're not a bass player, dear listener, if you just want one pedal for, you know, going into the, I mean, it doesn't have a DI out on it, but so, you know, running into a, a, a DI or just something for recording if you want hardware instead of software, there, there was nothing else on that. Oh, no, actually, I popped a little bit of a compression on it on the bus uh, afterwards. But other than that, that is, that's just, that's just the solid gold beta five. Fantastic. And that's, and that's what you want, isn't it? You just want nice and simple, easy. Yeah. Just a good sound. You can just and, trust you know, it to do the job. I, I think it's, you know, bass amps now to me, um, a lot of bass amps tend to be kind of very flat, very modern, very punchy. And like you say, don't have, you have to kind of go very vintage if you want the sort of that vintage vibe that you had there, you know, yeah. using something like a P bass. So I think it's nice to be able to have that in pedal form and then just go straight into an interface or. Yeah, from there. exactly. I mean, even running, you run that pedal into the front of like just a clean class D amp and it will sound like you're playing an old SVT stack, mm. you know, which is great. Very you cool. get the benefits of it being super portable and still sounding like a proper amplifier. Um, really, really good. Really great job. Sorry, Gold. I thought it was awesome. Anyway, That's that is, we are, yes, indeed. Well, we are coming to the end of this week's um, podcast so um, if you want to get in touch with us dear listener for any reason you can email us info at guitarnerds.net dm us on instagram message us on the facebook group if there's anything you think we should check out or if you've got dad joke suggestions for me then please get those across to me matt and i are going to head over to patreon now you can join us there for as little as a dollar a month we do an extra 30 minute long episode every week you also get access to our whole back catalogue and everything else like that thank you very much for listening you've been lovely we've been the guitar nerds farewell goodbye you dear patreon supporters for listening to another episode of the guitar nerds podcast now of course as usual it is time for me to thank our top tier patreon supporters for being so amazing thank you to marcus deluxe suresh dorsonic pickups chris franklin anton friant russ Meehan, barry gresbeck steve davis daniel walker join brown john conaway the studio rats russell healing yogi the guitarist ty allen carl harris sean hughes andy hoffler eric hemmer jeffrey wax Brian Einsler, Mark Hizau Kadawaki, Stuart Robson, Eric File, Peter Pesce, Andy Manley, Simon Milbourne, Joe Puttick, Blake Wyland, Phil Rodomsky, Dave Lee, Ross Edwards, Jason Wharton, James Dorr, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve Merkel, Abe Matthews, Christopher Loseth, Stephen Burke, Robin Smith, Kytopia the Band, JD Short, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Paul Corrigan, Rob Nordvik, Scott O'Brien, and of course, Moog Gravit. 